Bucky's fifth podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, I've got a little bit of news to get to on both the football and basketball fronts before we get into our normal game week preview for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. We'll talk everything offense, defense, key matchups, score prediction, and get into all things for this key Big Ten West matchup. I know Nebraska comes in with a um, less than impressive record, but I think they're a little bit better of a team than what their record indicates. It should be a fun uh, matchup to dive into. And then, of course, in the back half of the show, we are joined by our guest, John Johnston of Corn Nation. He comes on and gives a, if you've listened to the podcast in the past um, with some of the guests that we have from the other sites, John is one of my favorites because he always uh, comes on and uh, you, the, the few episodes that you ever mark as explicit is usually the Nebraska episode because John likes to give uh some nice rants on Scott Frost, and this one was a dandy, so make sure you guys stick around for that because I think you'll really enjoy listening to a Nebraska fan um, get into all of his feelings about uh, Scott Frost and the current state of the program. So um, I think you guys will really enjoy it. All right, Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, I think this is a, a big week for the Badgers, one of their tougher games they've had in, in the past few weeks. And and I think that this matchup uh, is going to be a ton of fun. So you want to dive into it? Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, get to started on this episode. We'll start with some news. And, and one news on the football side, um, cornerback Deron Harrell announced that he is going to be transferring out. Really not all that surprising um, when you look at the, his career arc, of course. A couple of years ago, I think everyone thinks back to that South Florida game when he was, you know, the starter. And since then, really hasn't seen the field all that much at Wisconsin. Um, uh, a player out of high school that wasn't super highly recruited and just never really kind of panned out um, for the Badgers in in what they were looking for. And I'm sure he was expecting now um, being a guy that has, has been around the program for years to be on the field more, but a lot of talented players in front of him. So it was kind of a, a tough path for him to to find some playing time. So really not a big surprise, but what did you make and, and what do you expect from him um, as he announces his departure from Wisconsin? I mean, you look back at his recruitment, he, he was a 2016 kid. So it's like he's mm-hmm. been around the program for seemingly forever at this point. Um, and, and I remember everybody was very excited just because um, he was kind of a project at 6'2", 6'3", cornerback that also played some wide receiver. But uh, you were hoping to kind of see that. And, and he, he played a bunch of games, right? Like mm-hmm. in his career, he made nine starts. Going into that 2019 year, he had really good fall camp, and then it kind of petered out as the season wore on. And since then, we just haven't seen him. Um, and I know that he's been listed as having injuries, um, but he just he hasn't been around, hasn't been available, hasn't seen the field as younger guys kind of just jumped over him. And um, I think this makes sense for him to, to try to go ahead and pursue a career elsewhere, try to take advantage of this Fred or the um, COVID exception and, and play that final year of eligibility. But, um, you know, it's, it's just 
he's one of those kids that they took a chance on. It was a gray shirt, so he walked on basically his first year, earned a scholarship for the remaining years. Um, and, and I feel like all in all, it probably worked out well for both sides just because the Badgers got some, some timely starts out of him. Um, and, and really, he came in as a two-star kid, played some some you know high major football when the Badgers were his only offer coming out of high school. So I, I think it's it's one of those where um, he's probably best suited to go play elsewhere and, and see if he can carve out a niche. Yeah, I totally agree. It was a situation where, you know, he, he came in, played a little football, and, you know, got a, a quality education at Wisconsin. Sometimes not all players are going to have these, you know, dominating and huge careers at the school they go to. Sometimes these situations happen. You know, one out of every few guys is going to have that, and there's nothing wrong with it. And hopefully he can go to a a new place. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up. Of course, originally from Colorado, maybe in a smaller school. Uh, out west, something like that. So, you know, certainly wish him the best of luck. He's been a player that clearly has been a part of the program and, and put in the work since, you know, you mentioned a part of that 2016 class. So he's been around Wisconsin and, and done what he's asked to do. It hasn't really worked out for him on the field, more or less, and in the way he probably wanted to in terms of um, you know, getting some more starts and being on the field consistently. But uh, he's clearly been a guy that um, is willing to, to to put in the effort for over these past uh, five seasons, and hopefully he can make the most of that uh, that COVID waiver as he moves forward. All right, anything else you want to hit on news-wise? Uh, I know we'll we'll touch on basketball here in a second because they've got their next contest coming up on Monday, but anything else um, you want to touch on on the news front or the recruiting front? Uh, I, I guess the big thing would be just this weekend, 2.30 games, so Wisconsin's got – um, some visitors come in the, the big one. Um, Keanu Entringer, uh, athlete that they offered just this past week, teammates with Aiden Vaughn, who came on an official visit last week. Um, so I think he's a, he's a kid that Wisconsin is going to try to bring in out of Michigan as a safety, it sounds like. Um, so we'll see if the Badgers can knock that visit out of the park. Uh, and then um, kind of opposite out of the spectrum, Jaden Ott, the talented running back, four-star kid, out of uh, California is now taking an official visit to USC, which um, obviously closer to home. They don't have a coaching staff, but uh, all of his commitments have been out West. A lot of his recruitment has been out West. Um, I I think that is probably unfavorable for the Badgers. We'll see uh, that if he does end up at USC, what the Badgers do in recruiting at the running back position, because Given the scholarship numbers they have, I think you've got to try to bring in um, a quality back in this 2022 class. Um, if not, you've got to really pound the transfer market. And um, it, it just scholarship distribution-wise, I think you'd rather have it be a 2022 kid. But um, Wisconsin will still keep chipping away at that recruitment. But I do think that uh, the fact that USC is getting an official visit is is a little worrisome. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there's the USC football program is is kind of undergoing a you know a lot of changes, uh, of course, with uh, Clay Helton being fired and them going to be eventually pulling the the trigger on a a new head coach here. Um, so maybe that works in Wisconsin's favor a little bit, but it's still a, a power program like USC. So that's certainly a situation where you you hope that Wisconsin uh, was able to give their best pitch and hopefully they can stay in that conversation. But certainly a team. No matter what, you know, there's certain schools like USC and, and some of these bigger schools, these blue blood, quote unquote, 
um, type programs that no matter the situation of their current state of the program, they're always a team that you are, are going to be competing against and maybe a little bit worried about. So that's certainly an interesting uh, aspect to keep an eye on on the recruiting front. All right, guys, before we get into the Nebraska game, we'll go ahead and touch on uh, the, the basketball team, which is, of course, coming up. Um, their next game will be on the 22nd, and they will be in the Maui Gym Maui Invitational, which normally is, of course, in Hawaii, moved to Las Vegas this year due to uh, COVID. So, unfortunately, the team did not get to go um, to the Hawaiian Islands, which would have probably been a nice place to, to go and, and spend the uh, the feast week and, and holiday week. But Las Vegas is not a bad concession prize. They will take on Texas A&M um, in the early game, I believe, uh, 2 p.m. Is it 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. tip? 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Okay, so they will take on Texas A&M, and then they will play the winner or the loser of that Butler-Houston game. So this really, this entire field is, is pretty good. Um, you've got Oregon, St. Mary's, Notre Dame, and then Chavanon, of course, in the other side of the bracket. Either way, you get some quality games from Wisconsin, win or lose, because this bracket is, is pretty tough. So um, what are you looking forward to um, as we get into uh, what should be a fun uh, Maui Invitational? I think one thing that's nice is none of these teams are push tempo. Like this mm-hmm. is this is definitely going to be um, kind of a rock fight tournament in a lot of ways. Um, especially anytime Chaminade's in there, like every year, they just don't have the the horses to play with a lot of the other teams. But um, you look at it, Badgers playing Texas A&M right away, and then you've got either Butler or Houston, like you mentioned. But I, I think the big thing is is Jonathan Davis uh, had that bruised heel. Supposedly is is going to be good to go for. Um, the tournament. That's kind of why they rested him against Providence. They said, um, you know, I was talking to Jim Polzini. He said he, that supposedly he could have gone, but um, the Badgers were just trying to be careful. They don't want this to be something that uh, hangs around all season long. And so, uh, looking at this, I think if he's healthy, him coming back, how this team kind of looks offensively, how they shoot the ball in in against tough teams, right? Like that was the big thing. That was what. Um, ultimately doomed them in the in the game against Providence was their shooting ability. Defensively, I, I trust that they're going to be able to do some good things on that end. But now it's going to be, can they hit from outside, hit some jumpers, finish in the lane? Um, I know you look back at it, really ben, a guy like Ben Carlson has really struggled here. Can he get going as well? So I think there's a lot of things to be excited about for this team, a lot of things that you've got to clean up. But But overall, I think if last week or on Monday was any indication, this is a team that's going to go down fighting. Having Jonathan Davis back, your best player, should help them out. Hopefully he is full health and he can give them a little extra boost on the offensive end. Yeah, I think that's uh, obviously key. You're going to be not only playing that that opening game, you're going to have really three games in three days. You want to make sure your guys are arrested and and fully healthy. So it makes a ton of sense, and hopefully he's good to go because I think – this team at full strength is, is pretty fun to watch. I'm excited to see them take on you know, a tough test with this field, whether it be, you know, of course, the first game, Texas A&M. Um, they're off to a, a good start in the season, 4-0, um, but really have not played a, a quality uh, Power 5 team quite yet. So Wisconsin will be their first test as well in a different situation, of course, on a, on a neutral court. So I think overall, like you mentioned, the pace of some of these games might be a little slow, but these uh, tournaments are always fun to watch. I'm excited to get into it, and um, despite it not being in Hawaii, I still think it'll be a, a lot of fun to uh, watch the, how this tournament unfolds and uh, listen to uh, Bill Walton on the call, um, which is always always a, a treat, depending on your feelings 
of him, but should be a fun field there. All right, are we ready to get into some uh, Wisconsin-Nebraska football? Let's do it, man. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into some football. Before we do that, we've got to talk to you guys about Home Field Apparel. We've talked about them for the last few weeks now, and now Home Field will be running their Black Friday deal starting November 26th, which is Black Friday running through November 29th, Cyber Monday. All items on their site will be 20% off. There is no code needed in there, and items are subject to sell out. And, guys, they've just gotten some of their stock back in on, on some of these um, uh, their popular items but they will go fast. This is a very fastly growing company. They do a ton of great stuff. They put out a ton of great um, you know, shirts and T-shirts and sweatshirts. So um, make sure if you've got someone on your holiday list that you are looking to buy for, you get on there on Black Friday and get those orders placed early so you can have them in time for Christmas. Um, they've got, they've put out a, a ton of stuff. They've just stocked back up on the Tri-Blend Great Crewnecks and Oatmeal Hoodies, which are a very popular item for them. So make sure to get over there, check it out. 20% off, as I said, no code needed. Everything will be off in the store, um, so stock up if you've got someone on your list. Maybe you've got two uh, podcast hosts that you're looking to buy a Christmas present for. We will absolutely take that if you're looking to, um, but make sure to check them out at homefieldapparel.com. All right, now that we've got our ad out of the way, let's dive into Nebraska. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, an interesting game in Nebraska not, you know, when I was writing some of their stuff, um, I don't know if this is the same for you, Matt, but when I was writing up, you know, some of our pieces throughout the week, I I jumped to Nebraska's schedule and I said, man, this team is, is not as, seems much better than the record indicates. Uh, it's really been a season for them of one-score games or, or really tough mistakes um, that, that find them on the losing end. So I think they're better than the record indicates, but still it's been a, a rough year um, for Nebraska, of course, sitting at the bottom of the Big Ten West. So overall, what do you just kind of make of uh, of this game going into it? Yeah, I mean, you look at Nebraska's season, I think they're just a poorly coached team, mm-hmm. um, and they're really bad at special teams, um, and they make costly turnovers. So things that, um, you know, special teams and turnovers, were, those were things that really um, hampered Wisconsin earlier in the year, and um, they've kind of righted a lot of those wrongs. Nebraska has been an all-year, you know, fiasco in a, in a lot of ways. So I think that – Wisconsin coming into this has a lot of advantages. Um, I, I think the fact that Nebraska really, they build the whole damn plane out of Adrian Martinez. Like, it is him. He's he's put together 67% of their offense this year, runs through him. It is his show. He leads the team in rushing, leads the team, obviously, in passing. Um, so Wisconsin defensively needs to really key on it key on him, but then Wisconsin has had tremendous success running the ball on Nebraska, so I, I think that Wisconsin should feel good coming into this game. Nebraska's kind of in turmoil, having to overhaul their entire offensive coaching staff in a lot of ways, but I, I still think this is a tough team because we've seen them hang around with everybody they've played this year, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think that's certainly something that is, is, is important to pay attention to. And, you know, you talk about the coaching changes. There's a lot of that that we'll, we'll talk about it when we get into kind of, you know, Wisconsin's defense against Nebraska's offense. But overall, this is a game that you still got to come out, uh, be ready to play. It doesn't matter that this team is, is at the bottom of the conference. They're going to come out and, you know, off a of bye week, off of those changes, likely hungry to try and play spoiler. they got two opportunities with Wisconsin and Iowa left on their schedule. Um, to do that, and and this is a way that to to really turn around a program, a quality win like this would go a long way, and I'm sure the fan base and the players 
will be hungry to get into that. So starting off with the Wisconsin offense here, you know, traditionally, I think the recipe against Nebraska has always been fairly clear. You know, you'd come into this game um, in the Scott Frost era and, and really just focus on pounding the football, being the tougher team. You know, for years, this Nebraska team was small and, and you know, I don't want to say weak, but they, they just weren't strong up front and you could get away with just pounding the rock and, and running the ball consistently at them for big yards. This year, a little bit different. You know, Nebraska defensively has actually been, you know, pre- pretty good um, overall in terms of what they do. They've, you know, they, they've played some tough games. They held Kenneth Walker in check. They had Ohio State's Travion Henderson in check for the most part. So this defense has, has been a lot better than years past. So how do you think Wisconsin's offense will look to attack a, a front that uh, is currently right now um, 39th in the nation in, in terms of defending the run? I think you got to continue to do what you've been doing. you got to feed Braylon Allen. Um, I know he was a little hobbled for that Northwestern game. Hopefully he's, he's um, you know, a little more healthy entering this after a, a week to kind of recover. But but I think you've got to run the ball, and you've got to run the ball a little bit more towards this Nebraska defense. They've got some good players in the secondary. So if Wisconsin has to pass, um, they do have some playmakers. I think the loss of JoJo Doman, they're, they're – uh, top player on the defense was, was pretty big. He announced that he is stepping away from football um, due to an injury. Um, he, he was he was third on their team in tackles, but he was probably their most explosive player on the defense, their leader. Um, they've got a lot of young linebackers, which I think um, is, is kind of beneficial for Wisconsin because you've got an experienced offensive line that can maybe, if you get to that second level, um, take advantage of that. But Wisconsin's got to run the ball, establish that, control the game um, with with the run so that when you put your defense in favorable positions, because I do think that Nebraska can do some, some things and has consistently shown that they can move the ball on, on offense and have been able to limit um, opponents on defense. Wisconsin just needs to make sure not to make huge mistakes, um, and whether it be turnovers, whether it be third down miscues, like they've got to do that. I know last week the offensive line, four false starts, mm-hmm. that can't happen against a team like Nebraska where you probably aren't going to necessarily have those huge long runs. I hope it does because we've seen it the past few times, the last Badgers winning the last seven against Nebraska, and most of it because of their ability to run on the ground. But I think the recipe doesn't change. You don't go away from your identity at this point, and your identity is to run the ball behind number zero. Yeah, I think when you talk about identity, that's that's something that I, I think Nebraska this season has, has kind of lacked in Wisconsin as as when over this course of this win streak, they've they've tinkered some things and, and they found their identity. You don't shy away from that when you're in their spot. Um, you, you continue to do what's worked, and you, you hope that it works against a, a team like this. Well, this Nebraska defense has been really solid. I still think that there are some plays that you can make um, in that run game, and uh, I think you've got to stick to it. That's what's got you to this point. I, I don't think you should ever expect Wisconsin to come out. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to come out and sling it. Like you mentioned, they've got some good players in the secondary. I do think they'll have to hit some you know, similar to last week to find that balanced attack a little bit. Um, and they're going to probably be in some situations where they're going to have to hit some tough passes on, on you know, third down. Um, but like you mentioned, if they can keep it clean, um, if you're forced to punt sometimes, that, that, that's something you can accept. Just try to keep the ball 
um, in your hands, you know, keeping the you know the message or the the, the turnovers in check. Uh, as you mentioned, that's a huge portion of this game for, for both teams who have been um, a little bit turnover prone throughout the season. Of course, Wisconsin's been a lot better. Nebraska, those struggles have kind of been there all season, but certainly something to pay attention to. And then, yeah, continue to feed the guy that's got you to this point and and hope that he can uh, bust some big plays and wear down um, this Nebraska front that's been good, but will be a another big test for them as well. Yeah, and I think one thing that's that's really beneficial for this matchup is Wisconsin's offensive line is has really gelled and come along since they stopped doing the rotations. Mm-hmm. Bill Mallon's been in there. Um, we've seen Graham Mertz play a, a hell of a lot better as well. Uh, this offensive line has been doing a much better job in pass pro, and you look at Nebraska, they're 97th in quarterback sacks, just, just over one and a half a game. So that's an area that – Wisconsin should be able to give Mertz time. He needs to be able to capitalize on that. We've seen a much better effort from him. I mean, he completed 74% of his passes last week. If he can do that against Nebraska, which is a better defense than what they saw against Northwestern, I think you're you're in a really good spot. But I still think the recipe is run the ball and control the game because we saw last year when these two teams met, Nebraska kind of jumped out to a lead right away. It was obviously at Memorial Stadium. I should say 2019. They didn't play last year. But they kind of, Nebraska controlled that game right away. And then Wisconsin had to take over in that second quarter and run away with things. I think Wisconsin, you don't want to put yourself in that position where you get punched in the mouth right away and are, are playing from behind, where you start to press maybe a little bit on senior day. I think it's more about control this game from the jump, um, and it might mean receiving right away. Uh, I know that that's something that Paul Christ has done in the past to try to kind of jumpstart his team. Yeah, I think that will be certainly an, an interesting aspect to watch for as this Wisconsin offense looks to get things clicking and, and continue to, to keep things moving against Nebraska's defense. All right, on the other side of the field, you look at Wisconsin's defense been dominating all season long, but you've got a situation where I think this will be somewhat of a new test compared to what they've seen throughout this year. I mean, you talked about it, they have that gauntlet of a schedule with, with Army and the triple option, Nebraska, or excuse me, Iowa with the run heavy, you know, Purdue with the, the pass heavy. There's been a lot of different looks that they've taken on, but they haven't necessarily faced a mobile quarterback quite like Adrian Martinez. And, and whatever you can you can say about him in terms of the, the struggles, the success for him over his career, he's had some pretty good games against Wisconsin. I know his first year put up 441 yards of total offense, Second meeting, he racked up 309. So he's been a guy that um, has had some good games because he's been able to move around in the pocket, and Wisconsin will certainly look to try and keep him in there and make him throw it. But what do you expect defensively to be kind of the the key for Wisconsin uh, to try and continue to have the success that they've had really all season long? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look on the other end, Wisconsin's done a really good job of getting to the quarterback, especially as the season has progressed. They're um, in the top 20 in, in, in sacks. They get a lot of pressures. I think that Wisconsin needs to do a good job of continuing to do that because that's when Adrian Martinez has really struggled. Um, but it's also a matter of making sure to keep him in the pocket and not letting him get around that outside pressure. So Nick Herbig, you want to make sure that you're, you know, keeping the edge, making sure that he can't get outside because that's where he he can turn on the afterburners and run, which is probably his best trait at this point. Um, But I also think that there's a chance that you might see a guy like Chanel or Sanborn be used as a spy against Mm -hmm. 
um, quite frequently just because of his ability to run. Where if you're bringing one, the other guy might be sitting in in a you know a soft zone underneath, but also having a keen eye towards is Martinez going to run? I got to be there. That's my guy. Um, but um, I, I think really Nebraska has some good weapons. Ramir Ramir Johnson has has really come on as the season has has um, gone on as well. He's he's running pretty well. Um, but this is Adrian Martinez's the show. They've got some taller wide receivers um, that they try to get the ball to quite a bit. But but in the end, this is all about how you beat Nebraska is you make Adrian Martinez uncomfortable and he will make mistakes. That's what he has shown time and time again over the course of his career. Um, I was doing a little digging and writing up the how you do in Nebraska. In 38 games with the Cornhuskers, he has 34 fumbles. He's only lost 18 of them, but 34 fumbles. That's damn near one a game. Yeah. So Wisconsin needs to get after him, make him uncomfortable. We know he throws interceptions. He's a he's a talented athlete who's playing quarterback is, is essentially what you have. Make him uncomfortable. Make him try to do too much because they seriously put everything on his shoulders. And um, because of that weight, he oftentimes makes mistakes. So put him in a position where he's going to make mistakes or at least – the risk of him making a mistake is much higher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the the numbers for this offense. If, if you take out the turnovers, are are not. You would think it's an offense uh, of a of a winning football team. I mean, 16th in total offense, 34th in rushing offense, 35th in passing offense. So this is a group that you know, at least numbers wise, looks to be a, a really talented offense. It's just the the mistakes that have have really killed them. I mean, every game has been. Uh, a one-possession game for them for the most part, and they've came out on the losing end of those, and that's because the offense has, has put the ball on the turf a lot. You know, the interceptions he's certainly susceptible to, but I think the fumbles, you know, just him just trying to move around and, and make plays because he is the entire offense leads to situations where he can make mistakes. And with the way Wisconsin's defense right now is just on a on a tear, forcing turnovers, I think that's a situation where you can really um, see a recipe where if you can contain him and try to make him make plays and confuse him, um, you're, you're all of a sudden going to be in a situation to maybe take advantage of some of those turnovers. So I think that's the key. I'm interested to see, like you mentioned, with the spy, who it's going to be, whether it be you know Chanel sitting there. I could, I could see him having a huge game because he's got – um, the speed to be in a situation like that. But I could also see Sanborn being a, a guy that sits or maybe Jim Leonard kind of switches it up to try and, and force him into some confusion. So I think the chess match will be a fun one to watch because, you know, in the past, uh, Adrian Martinez has gotten loose for some big plays, and, and Jim Leonard certainly knows that and will have that circled, and, and hopefully um, they can come out and, and execute because I think that's a, an interesting test and should be a fun matchup to watch for sure. Yeah, I, I honestly think it's fascinating that they overhauled their whole offense because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a pretty balanced offense. They utilize the read option well um, and, and take advantage of Martinez as best as they can. But it's it's the mistakes, which I know is partly coaching, but a lot of that is still players. Um, and so Wisconsin needs to do a good job of containing that run game. Um, but you look at how Wisconsin's done against the run all year, and you have to feel pretty confident um, based off of that. I mean, there's a reason they're one or two in basically every defensive category um, with Georgia. So I think you feel confident there, but you just want to make sure that you're trusting what you're reading and react. It's Wisconsin can't make it so that um, they allow – 
uh, Ramir Johnson to beat them because they're so set on stopping Adrian Martinez, and you can't let Adrian Martinez beat you because you are um, not taking his um, what he does seriously. I think you just need to kind of stick with your keys, play smart, play sound football, and you're going to be okay because eventually Nebraska is going to make a mistake, and you need to pounce on it, and you need to take advantage of those opportunities like you have been the past six games um, and not make those same mistakes on – your offense, because Nebraska has an offense that can take advantage of those mistakes if you give them a short field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they can, and they would probably welcome uh, some Wisconsin turnovers because those short fields can can certainly help them out and help them put points on the board against a defense that has been really tough all season long. So I cannot wait to watch how this uh, this matchup unfolds between those two sides. In terms of a key matchup, we've talked both sides of the football. Is, is the Adrian Martinez mobility and, and against the Wisconsin defense kind of the key area that you're looking for, or what's one key matchup that you're kind of kind of be watching? I think that has to be the mm-hmm. matchup. Another another um, one to keep an eye on is just Wisconsin's cornerbacks against the length of Nebraska. Um, you look at it, um, Samori Torre, six foot three, Austin Allen, big kid, Omar Manning, six foot four. Xavier Betts, six foot two. Like you're looking at a really lengthy team. Their tight end is six foot nine. So you've got a, a lot of bigger bodies that are going to be out in pass route situations. Um, and so Wisconsin needs to do a good job of high pointing the ball if Martinez just tries to the old throw it up and see what happens type trick. So Wisconsin, I think at this point, confident with this secondary, but at the same time, you don't want them sucking up too much, especially the safeties when you see play action because they will take shots over the top. And Samari Torre is averaging over 21 yards per reception. So I think that's one area as well is Wisconsin's cornerbacks need to do a good job in coverage, but the safeties can't suck up too much on the run because Nebraska does want to take shots from time to time. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because we've seen um, Wisconsin's you know secondary against some of these you know option type teams kind of get pulled up in those read option plays. You know, Penn State early in the season hit some big plays because you know they they went to the read option, they went to the read option, and then they tried to take the top off. Michigan as well. Um, so you're going to maybe see a situation where Nebraska tries to do that. You know, Scott Frost is is a guy that um, will you know offensively that he likes to try and and play those type of games and and find those matchups and then hit on them. So uh, we'll see what this Nebraska offense, you know, pulls. You know, we talked about their overhaul in the coaching staff, um, but you'd, you'd like to think that they're going to probably stick to um, what they've done all season long. You're not going to change up too much in, in the last two weeks of the season. You are coming off a bye, so you might see some um, some new wrinkles from them that Wisconsin will have to be ready for. But uh, I think at this point you have to trust that Jim Leonard and, and this defense will be in a situation um, to take advantage and, and try and, and play the way they have been for the first ten weeks of the year. All right. In terms of players we'll be talking about, who do you think will be the uh, the key guys that we'll be having uh, conversations about on Sunday? Well, first, we were on a roll there, like kind of pinpointing who it was going to mm-hmm. be up until last week when all of a sudden the, <laughs> the running backs, I know we talked a bunch about them, but it wasn't necessarily great um, with Julius Davis and Jackson Acker. Um, I, I think that this is this is a game where I think this story will be Graham Mertz. Um, I think that Nebraska is going to sell it, stop the run. I still think Braylon Allen is going to get his. It might not be 408 or, you know, 235 or something like that, but instead you might get your, your traditional 
uh, you know, 140, which is still should be enough for this Wisconsin offense. But I do think that Graham Mertz is going to have to throw the ball a little bit. I think um, he's made some, some tremendous steps at, at being more composed in the pocket, taking advantage of open receivers and connecting on it. I want to just continue to see if that if he can do that against a secondary that I think is better than what he has seen the past couple weeks. Um, I know Brandon Joseph was a tremendous player. Nebraska's got a couple players in the secondary that are also um, quite good, and so I, I want to see how this how he and the wide receiver room go up against a guy like Cam Taylor Britt, who's you know he's an NFL guy. Um, Deontay Williams, who who leads their team in four interceptions from his safety spot as well. So. I want to see that from this team, and I, and I think they should be able to, but at the same time, I, I, want to, I want to see what this team can do if they do need to pass the ball because I do think that Nebraska is going to sell out for the run and play action will be available for Mertz. Yeah, I think that's a, a very much a, a situation in play with Graham Mertz being able to hit some big plays because they are going to you know put that key focus on Braylon Allen and make Graham Mertz beat them, and over the past couple of weeks we've shown that he can make those plays to do so. So I think he's a guy that certainly will, you'll have a conversation about if Braylon Allen comes out and does what he does. Um, what, what he's done over the last few weeks, he's going to be in the conversation as well, and, and rightfully so because he's been playing so good. And then defensively, I think the other guys you could talk about are, are going to be the linebackers once again. They've got that, that big test of, of fo- focusing in on an assignment um, a little bit different than what they've had all season long with the, the mobility of Adrian Martinez, but I think those guys are going to be uh, hungry to rise to the challenge and, and meet those. So I think uh, Wisconsin's linebackers could be, um, you know, Sanborn, Chanel, whoever's maybe got that main focus and, and main wrinkle could have a, a big day and hopefully can force some turnovers because he's going to be the guy that's so focused in on, um, you know, keeping him contained and, and hopefully forcing him into some mistakes. All right, that brings us to the uh, the final prediction of this game. I've kind of kicked a couple back and forth. I'm interested to see where you're at um, in terms of the prediction for this one. Uh, so what do you think will be the end result on Saturday? I think Wisconsin will win. Um, I think that it's one of those games where Nebraska will keep it interesting in the first half and Wisconsin will be able to pull away a little bit. If I had to guess right now, I would guess something along the lines of like uh, – 27 to 16, something, um, a goofy score, um, but uh, I do think Wisconsin will be able to to take care of business and, and exit with the win. Senior day, usually there's a lot of emotions coming in. Maybe Nebraska is able to punch them in the mouth right away, but Wisconsin responds. Jim Leonard um, is able to scheme up some nice things, and Nick Herbig gets home for a couple sacks. I think Wisconsin's got the horses to beat Nebraska. They're a better team, but I just think that – Nebraska will be able to keep it interesting for a little bit, and Wisconsin will pull away late. Yep, no, I totally agree with you. I'm on the the same kind of wavelength. I was thinking like a 30 to 17, you know, something that it feels maybe you know it's a little bit closer than than what we think or expect, um, but maybe a game that is is tight early in Wisconsin can kind of put it away and, and flex their muscle late in that game and uh, and come away with the victory. I, I do think you know in terms of points, Nebraska or Wisconsin's really only given up about a touchdown a game over this win streak. I think Nebraska might be able to get loose and, and score a little bit more of that. So um, I'll, I'll say 30 to 17, but kind of in that same similar range of, of points that way. But should be a, a really fun Big Ten, uh, Big Ten West matchup, and I'm interested to see all the uh, inner dynamics of this game at play. All right, let's go ahead and hop into the rest of the Big Ten slate. There's uh, some pretty... 
Um, not so great games on the Big Ten slate, but also some big ones, of course. We'll start with 11 a.m. on the Big Ten Network. Purdue traveling to Northwestern. Who do you like there? I'm going to go with Purdue. I just think this Northwestern team is just bad. Yep, I totally agree with you. I, I would think it would be this would be a tough loss for Purdue fans to swallow, and the way Northwestern's at uh, right now, it's hard to decide with them in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the other 11 a.m., uh, we've got Rutgers-Penn State, also on Big Ten Network. Who do you like there between a 5-5 five and five Rutgers team and a 6-4 and four Penn State team? I'm going to go with Penn State. Um, I, I just think that they're a better team. Now, no, Rutgers could keep it interesting and, and make that a fun battle back and forth, but I just think that when you look at this, Rutgers has kind of regressed since a hot start once they've gotten in conference play. And I know Penn State has been struggling, but I just think that they have too much talent and they'll be able to win that game. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think this game could be a situation where we've got a really ugly game on our hands if both teams are struggling to move the ball offensively. But I do think the just the talent factor of Penn State at home should allow them to come away with the victory uh, in that one. The other big one in the Big Ten, 11 a.m., uh, Michigan State traveling to Ohio State, a huge game to determine who takes the you know kind of the reins of the Big Ten East we had in the last two weeks of the season. Who do you like there? I think Ohio State will be able to take take care of Michigan State in this. I'll, did you see that that uh, extension mm-hmm. <laughs> offer that was thrown around almost a hundred million dollars over ten years um, for Mel Tucker? But good for him. Get get yours. But um, I, I think Ohio State is is the better team and will be able to to. To win, um, I know, last I saw the spread was almost three touchdowns, which seems really high, but but really the fact that this is in Columbus and the way that Ohio State has been playing, which is much better, I think that they're going to look to not only take down Michigan State, but try to get some style points. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think Ohio State and in the matchup here, Michigan State has really been susceptible to giving up big plays, and I think Ohio State's in a situation where they can exploit that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this Michigan State offense goes up against this Ohio State defense, which has had some troubles. But I do think uh, the Buckeyes find a way to win that game at home, but should be an interesting one to watch, 11 a.m. on ABC. All right, up next, we've got Illinois traveling to Iowa. One o'clock start on Fox Sports 1. Who do you like there? I think I think Iowa will, will win. I think this will be a gross game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Bielema's not oh, – not playing or not going to be there for this game, right? Because of COVID. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I think Iowa will win this game, but yeah, I just it I wouldn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would I would stay away from that uh, for the sake of your eyes. I would uh, avoid that game at all costs. All right, two thirty on the Big Ten Network. We've got Minnesota traveling to two and eight Indiana. Man, what a fall for the uh, Hoosiers. Who do you like there? I like Minnesota, but, man, it would be awesome if Indiana could kind of figure out who they are and regain some of their form from last year. I I don't necessarily think that's the case. They've had some, like, on-field, off-the-field stuff going on with their coaching staff and players, which, you know, Tom Allen's thing has all been about love, and it seems like they're struggling with some of that right now. But I I think that Minnesota will win, but I'm rooting for – Indiana to win. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I think that would be a, a hilarious – and I wouldn't put it past Minnesota with the way this offense uh, has moved. And Indiana, a, a pretty gross offense themselves in this game, kind of, again, could be a 
a gross, gross matchup in the big time. All right, our last one, we've got Michigan traveling to Maryland. Who do you like there? I'm at this point I'm fading Maryland extremely hard. I mean you look at you look at their last uh six games, they're they're one in five. Like they are playing some really bad football. They're missing their two top wideouts, they're missing a lot of bodies, and their last win was a, a close one at home against Indiana. I don't trust them to beat anybody, let alone Michigan, who I think is Really, that defense, that front seven that they have is playing really good, led by Aiden Hutchinson and, and David Ojabo. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think you you look at this game, Michigan comes away with a victory, Ohio State comes away with a victory, sets up a huge game, of course, in the uh, the Big Ten East uh, next weekend with uh, Michigan traveling and taking on Ohio State. So that one should be uh, a ton of fun. You Hopefully they aren't looking ahead here too much with this Maryland game, but I agree that uh, Michigan will will come out and pick up a victory in that one. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, we still have our interview with our Nebraska uh, site in coordination and John Johnson, a really fun interview with him. Um, we'll get our ad reads out of the way before we do that, so stick with us through that, and we'll be back with you shortly. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by John Johnson of Corn Nation to talk a little Nebraska football. Um, make sure to go over there and check those guys out. They do a really good job of covering all things Nebraska. Not just football, basketball, volleyball is going well. I know wrestling's just started up, and they've got some good coverage over there, so make sure to check them out at cornnation.com. John, how are you today? Oh, you know, bitter, angry, the usual. Is that because of uh, the, the Nebraska football start of the season, or as you were saying offline, sounds like some work issues or, or maybe just a combo of both? Well, we, since we're here to talk about probably the, mostly Nebraska football, let's go with that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start into it. It's been a rough year for Nebraska, and Scott Frost survived. I don't know. I think some fans are maybe happy with that. I wouldn't say happy, but um, okay with it. Some are probably not super thrilled with the decisions. How do you think overall the fan base feels about that decision, and is do you kind of differ from that in any way? Well, you know, we do those reacts thing, right, where SB Nation does those uh, polls. And ours came back and showed that 85% of Nebraska fans are okay with Scott Frost returning. And I frankly find that very shocking. I, I guess it's okay with all of us that he's a native son and our guy. and He understands our pain that he sucks. You know, and it's fine, I guess, for the athletic department to uh, reduce his salary and pay out and for us to put up with another year of this. Is there a profanity on this? We can we can have profanity. I think uh, with, with way the, the way Nebraska season went, if you want to have profanity, we are allowing it. I will go light. I will, you know, <laughs> this crap, this poop, this <laughs> defecation of Nebraska football in 2021. Actually, over the last four years, I mean, we're very, we're very. Do you think we're going to beat Wisconsin? I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I certainly yeah, we're going to lose not. by one score because that's what we do. Yeah, that's true. And the spread is right now just a little over one score, so I have to write a piece for that. And it's been, uh, I've been kicking it back and forth, so we'll we'll see where I end up on that one. <laughs> but it'll, it'll be four years, four years of, of losing seasons with Scott Cross, four years of no bowl game. You know, they could have gone to a bowl last year. They opted not to. There's 
you know, we could get into screaming about that, but it's pointless. I mean, it was a COVID year. It wouldn't have been a real bowl game. You, know, you couldn't have counted it. You could say it just to go, oh, we were at a bowl game last year. And uh, it's just, um, you said, you kind of implied, do I differ from this? Um, you know what, I'll go ahead and ask your next question for you. Sure. Uh, what is it about Scott Frost that I am against him returning or for him returning? I am, I am, I guess, accepting that he's returning because I don't get to do anything about it. My problems with Scott Frost are this, very specifically. Um, at the beginning of the season, Wisconsin was not a good football team, mm-hmm. right? Your offensive line was a mess. You're running, you always have a running back that's like this guy that breaks the hole in the line and goes for 80 yards. You didn't have that. Graham Mertz was a turnover machine. Your defense was fine and great. And as the season's gone on, you guys have turned into a good football team. You know, why is that? It's, it's, I think, just a little bit of turnaround. And mostly, I'd say, probably the coaching staff, you know, figuring some things out, which I think where you're going with it. <laughs> what? The coaching staff figures things out? How does that work? Because we have no idea at Nebraska. And that's the problem with Scott Frost. As you look at that, we lost the beginning game to Illinois. Even though we had, like, I don't know, the entire offseason to plan for the biggest game of his career at Nebraska. And he loses. And he loses because his special teams suck. And he loses because his offense can't score. And, you know, you guys figured out and adjusted. And that's the thing that I look at Scott Frost and he goes, well, we're so close. And, you know, we just have these small things that we can do that we can get better at. And those things are true. But the thing is, is he's not doing that. There's been no let's change things to get better at things this season. There's just been this constant let's did you know Nebraska has more red zone opportunities than any other any other team in the Big Ten? Did, I did you know, not that? know that? Okay, they they have they've had I think at one point they had forty two I think that was last week before this the last week's games they had more than any other team in the Big Ten which means the offense works until it gets to the red zone and then it dies because we're ninety eighth in scoring in the red zone now why are we ninety eighth in scoring in the red zone? I, you know, that's a, a guy gets paid $5 million a year, $4 million a year next year because he's so benevolent that he's going to lop a million dollars off his contract to figure that out. But he hasn't figured it out, even this, despite the fact that we have a, a six foot, 48 foot tall tight end named Austin Allen who's probably going to play in the NFL because he's a very good tight end. And how many receptions has he had for TDs this year? I think two or three, maybe. You know, you guys at Wisconsin understand tight ends. You always have one that beats the hell out of everybody, that everybody kind of overlooks. Who is it this year? Ferguson? Yep, yep. Friermuth was Penn State. Who was the one before Ferguson? Before? They just killed us. Yeah, there, there's been a – I mean, it's really every year. I think it might have yeah. – last time they played, they didn't, we didn't play last year. So it has been Ferguson the last three years or so. Um I'm blanking on who's between that, though. Right. But, you know, we don't throw in the ball because we're terrified that Adrian might throw an interception, I guess. But he can't figure out why his offense gets to the red zone and then can't score. And if he could figure that out, it wouldn't be this thing that he says after press conferences. 
Uh, well, we just need to learn to do the little things better. You mean like score, Scott? Like like actually call plays in the red zone to lead to scoring opportunities? It's just it's that's why I really don't see any change happening here. It's been four years. In four years we put up with uh, oh, it was a culture thing from Mike Riley, and he destroyed the program. You know, it, it, four years of that, and now it's going to be five. And, you know, Nebraska has this sellout streak that we're really proud of, and people can say it's fake and everything, but we still get – it's a thing in Nebraska. Get butts in the seats, sell tickets, go to the game, have fun, enjoy it. And, you know, if we're going to have to put up with a whole off season full of Scott Frost just needs to fix this one thing articles. I think everybody about to sign the season rolls around will not give a single shit about Nebraska football until he actually shows something. I mean, really. The Nebraskans, I think, by putting up with this crap for four years, have shown that we're very patient. I mean, if you saw the news, our former conference mate, whom we love dearly, the Texas Longhorns, lost to Kansas and gave Kansas their first road victory in the Big 12 since 2008. That was amazing. That That was fun to watch. All those Texas people not only want their coach fired that just started, but they want the administration fired. They want the Board of Regents fired. They want the AD fired. You know, if they could burn down their university and rebuild it next week, they go ahead and do that. So, I don't know. You know, Scott Frost coming back, I I guess, whatever. It's basketball season. <laughs> well, the, the other question I wanted to ask, um, kind of in line with that, is, of course, you talked about, you know, him taking the pay cut and firing assistants, which is basically, you know, a second lease on life for college football coaches. Say, hey, you can, you can do this and, and prove it. How much do you think that impacts the offense, or is it really only going to make – things worse or maybe does it make things better? It's hard to really understand. I know Martinez in his presser said that, you know, he had a good relationship with the offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. So how do you think that maybe impacts him and, and the offense, which is, has struggled a little bit this season? You mean impacts Scott Frost going forward or Adrian? Just Adrian and the, and the Nebraska offense. That's the big, that's the big question. I mean, here's the thing. You, you have to ask yourself, Scott Frost has said he wants to be more of a CEO coach. Well, being more of a CEO coach says you need to let stuff go, right? You can't just dabble. You can't go, oh, yeah, I hired an offensive coordinator, and he hired his staff. And then you can't stick your fingers in their pie all of the time. You know, and I think that's the thing with Frost is he had an offensive coordinator, and he had, you know, Greg Austin, the offensive line coach. Those guys are gone. Mario Budusco, quarterback's coach, gone. Uh, how much is his fingers were in there, and how much can he pull back out and let his coach his coach? And what's going to happen against Wisconsin? I, I really don't know. I mean, the offense, honestly, I don't think the offense can get any worse than it is, to be blunt. Uh, we have some very, very good players. We have very good receivers, and we have a bunch of them. And I think we have really good running backs. One of them just left the program, Sebion Morrison. Uh, he was a four-star recruit because uh, he wasn't getting on the field. And we don't have a good offensive line. If you watch both of our tackles in this game coming up against Wisconsin, uh, neither of them can block. It's literally like their offensive line coach said, you can't use your feet this year. Pretend your feet are bricks, especially in pass blocking. 
because they don't move. I mean, they're god awful, terrible. I think about the worst tackles you've ever seen, and then watch our game this weekend and see what happens. So, you know, what's going to happen with Nebraska's offense against Wisconsin? Probably the same prep that has happened always, because I think Scott Frost has been in charge of it. It'll probably do well between, you know, getting down to the 20-yard line, and then they'll just turn into a uh, a team that needs a whole gob of Viagra because that's where the, the problem is. Is really not scoring in the red zone. Well, let's let's talk a little bit of positive. The, the Nebraska defense, traditionally Wisconsin in this match, comes in and just kind of plays bully ball. But this year, it seems like, I know the record might not show up, but defensively Nebraska seems pretty good on the defense side of the ball, held some good running backs, and you know Kenneth Walker and Travion Henderson kind of in check. What do you think the reasoning has been behind that side of the football? Because that seems to be a really big turnaround from years past with Nebraska. You know what the big reasoning is there, Scott Frost doesn't have these greasy fingers in that pie. <laughs> I thought that might be coming. <laughs> but I think two years ago, everybody wanted Eric Chenander fired, the defensive coordinator. Now it's been Eric Chenander. People are like, maybe he should be head coach because he's actually figured out what he's doing. And I think a big key for that is he got a whole bunch of players to come back next year from last year, you know, the COVID year where they got the free year. Mm-hmm. And that has added depth and experience to a Nebraska defense that actually plays pretty well. Uh, we just lost JoJo Doman for the season because of a hand injury against Purdue, I think it was, and he elected to have surgery. And uh, he is was a dynamite player that was kind of a hybrid linebacker who could do everything. So, you know, I don't, it'll be interesting. Can we turn Graham Mertz into the turnover machine he was earlier? Uh, yes, we can. We will. And we'll win. <laughs> Why? Oh, that's – yeah, it, it has certainly been – and that makes a lot of sense, that consistency and, and making changes and adjustments is certainly a part of football that um, Wisconsin thankfully has done well, but early in the season um, some tinkering was certainly necessary. Uh, not to swing it back negative, but – What's going on in, in special teams? Because I, I see all the, the metrics and the rankings. Nebraska, 128th of 130 in FEI, which is which is a metric to measure kind of all of it. So I know it has been pretty. What do you think is the main uh, issue in there? Because over here at Wisconsin, the struggles have been on the special teams at points this season, but it seems like Nebraska, it's, it's a bigger glaring issue. Is that a Scott Frost connection as well? Well, we're, I'm going to blame you for everything. <laughs> you know, I, honestly, I think that you had Connor Culp as our place kicker. I mean, he was the Big 12 kicker or the Big 10 kicker mm-hmm. of the year last year. Mm-hmm. And then this year he suddenly turns to poop. Uh, you know, you can't make a field goal to save his life. And, you know, you kind of feel sorry for him. But at the same time, uh, I, I think a lot of special teams has come because nobody's paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. It's like they said, okay, our offense should score 40 points a game, and uh, we don't have to worry that much about special teams. And so they really haven't paid attention to it, and it sucks. I mean, you go back to the Michigan State game. At that time, I mean, Michigan State is a damn good team. Kenneth Walker is excellent. We held them an entire second half without a first down. We had a 93% chance of winning that game, and our backup punter, walks onto the field and kicks to the wrong side of the field when there's no coverage. Who fucks 
things up that badly. I mean, literally, it's like, oh, yeah, we have to have special teams? What's that about? I don't know. He's got a punt now. We're telling the punt to the right side. You know, which side is the right side? Is that left? Because that's where he punted. It's just crap like that. And then he comes out in these press conferences and basically says his team has to learn stuff. And that's the part that I really just want to, I don't know. <laughs> I want to uh, have him go coach for someone else. That's what I'd like him to do. I was going to say something really bad there, but, you know, I would like him to go coach for, I don't know, you know, go to Texas. They seem to want to have coaches there. Special <laughs> assistant to, to Nick Saban in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, but, you know, the special teams thing, I, I honest to God, it's almost like they completely overlooked it. Sure. And then they and then it's cost them games. And mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, we don't know what to do about this. All right, I mean, well, to wrap things to wrap things up, I, I don't think you feel too optimistic about this game. What sort of thing does Nebraska need to do to try and pull off this upset? And uh, do you think it happens? And if you'd like, give us uh, a score prediction for Saturday's contest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. You know, I, I I do a lot of stuff on YouTube now, and one of the people on YouTube left a comment that pegged my entire life completely when he said, you're like the eternally optimistic guy that is forever disappointed. And I thought, oh, my God, this is my entire life. This guy made one comment. So what does Nebraska need to do? Well, I score in the red zone. Uh, that would be good. I think Wisconsin's defense is very good. I think, uh, you know, for us to gain yardage, here's the thing. I think Nebraska needs to come out and be very aggressive in their play calling. We have a lot of receivers. Uh, They're obviously not as good as Ohio State's receivers, mostly because they don't have an accurate quarterback throwing them the ball. But I, I would like to see us come out and be very aggressive in the passing game against Wisconsin. And you don't really have anything to play for except, yes, let's beat Wisconsin at Madison for the first time since 1845. And uh, I'd like to see them do that. If they do that successfully, I think we'll win. What would be really cool is if we have, like, 40-yard passes so we never get into the red zone and we score while we're outside the red zone so we don't get that kind of, oh, my God, we're in the red zone moment. <laughs> I think that Nebraska's defense can hold – uh, Wisconsin's offense and check. I, you guys don't. Jalen Berger got dismissed. Uh, I know there's the freshman quarterback whose name I'm missing. Is he like a Melvin Gordon explode and top end speed guy or is he um, just a Braylon Allen? You mean? Uh, he, yeah, yeah, that that guy. He's more of a big. You would you you would think looking at him. I mean, he's big. You know, tall and and about 240 pounds. So he's more. He looks like a bruiser, but he's got some speed that uh, I think. Not necessarily sneaks up on people, but most of his yards, I would say, have been after contact, just kind of running through and then uh, using his speed. And so he's he's been pretty impressive. Uh, but I wouldn't say he's got that top end speed like a, like a Melvin Gordon, maybe closer to Jonathan Taylor, which isn't bad uh, comparison by any means, but not that that complete burner um, like some of those other guys have been. Well, I'd say Nebraska's defense keeps Wisconsin in check. And a kicker we've never even heard of makes a 50-yard field goal at the last second to win the game, 20-17. to 17. Unfortunately, that won't happen. What will happen is Nebraska will have, like, a chance to take the lead late in the fourth quarter. And because our tackles can't block, Adrian Martinez will go back to pass, 
and Bryce Benhart, his right starting tackle, who shouldn't really be there, uh, gives up another sack. Adrian Martinez gets hit, fumbles the ball. Wisconsin takes it, returns it the length of the field. It's a two-score game. You win by 11 and uh, don't cover. Like 24 to 24 to whatever, you know, do the math, 27 to 16 or something. I don't know. That's a, I think that's a fair fair assessment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, John, thank you very much. As always, it's it's great talking to you. I always look forward to Nebraska week because I know that uh, get to have you on and uh, and and we can uh, chat some Wisconsin Nebraska. It's always uh, good talking to you. I'll be on your show. Um, this will be out probably after that. But do you want to give a, a plug to the people that maybe they can check it out over at Bucky's Fifth uh, Podcast? Yeah, where I do a YouTube live show mostly on Monday nights, but tomorrow night on Wednesday night, November 17th, we'll be doing something at 7.30 p.m. Central together where we have chat and people can come in and ask nasty questions about why I want Scott Frost to go away or what's going on with Paul Chris and why is he a better coach than Scott Frost when he's just everyone's dad. <laughs> so you can go onto YouTube and search for Corn Nation and you'll find our channel. Or look Twitter. Find us on Twitter or Facebook. Awesome. Awesome. Looking forward to that. And, guys, if you're looking for more Nebraska-Wisconsin coverage, make sure to go over and check that out. Those do a great job over there. All right, listeners, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin. Thank you.